Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Today I want to uh, bring an encouraging word Uh, concerning blessing and favor and joy and prosperity. Who could use more blessing and favor and joy and prosperity in your life? Well, you've come to the right place because that's the word of the Lord for today. And uh, in this study, there's many principles that God gives on how to live the blessed life. Amen. Jesus died And was resurrected not only to give us eternal life, but also to bless us with access to the abundant life. And so it's two sides of the same coin. And so uh, the Torah study uh, begins in Deuteronomy 12. And this is uh, where we're going to start today. So you can open your Bibles to Deuteronomy 7.12. And this is out of the complete Jewish Bible. And it says, because you are listening to these rulings, keeping and obeying them, Adonai your God will keep with you the covenant and mercy that he swore to your ancestors. All right, so just in stopping there, because you are listening. Shema Israel! This is Shema part two in in this uh, teaching. Uh, And we're not just listening to uh, Fox News or, uh, you know, the Communist News Network. (laughs) We're listening to the word of the Lord. And God says as you're listening and then obeying, there's going to be something good happen. Blessing. From the covenant. He will love you, verse 13. We need more of that. That feeling of the love of God. He will bless you and increase your numbers. That's just not uh, how many kids and grandkids and great-grandkids you have. Uh, How many of you have ever balanced a checkbook? Or looked in a savings account passbook and seen numbers? May God increase your numbers in your savings and checking account and your retirement account. He will also bless the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground. Talking about your family and your business. Amen. Your grain, your wine, olive oil, young of your cattle, sheep. In the land he swore to your ancestors that he would give you. You will be blessed more than any other people. Bam. That's a promise. But it goes back to if. Small word with big consequences, if or because you're listening and obeying. Amen. The Humash, the five books of Moses, the reference book with all the rabbinical commentary says, This shall be your reward when you hearken and you observe and perform them. Come on somebody. The reward of the Lord. 
Amen. And the reward of the Lord is exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we could ask or think. Now, uh, when we go through life uh, and there's circumstances, stuff is happening, and there's obstacles and hindrances, it's easy to lose sight of these truths. That's why we build ourselves up in our most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost, for one. Amen? And uh, that way we're connected to the promise. And uh, the way that God has set all this up is that we're rewarded proportionately. Okay? It's a big word, a college word, proportionally. But uh, it means that our level of faithfulness to all of God's divine principles directly affects our level of blessing, right? And so Christians can be confused on this because, uh, look, uh, uh, the good news of the gospel, abundant life, increase, abundance, uh, pour you out a blessing, there won't be room enough to receive it. All of that is true. But it's also true that uh, all of that happens in direct proportion to how much you're a blessing. And how much you are uh, applying the principles of God. You can't live like the devil and expect to walk in the blessing of God. In our neighborhood, we would say, duh. Jesus highlights this in Luke 6.38. Given it shall be given. You remember that? Good measure pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Shall people, men, give into your wallet? But then the next part is, you'll receive in the same measure that you give. There's that proportional uh, thing we're talking about. So the more you put in, the more you get out. Amen. And uh, probably his greatest sermon, Jesus' greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he underscores this principle in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. And it says, Jesus says, Ask and keep on asking. And it will be given to you. So there's a proportion there. Uh, we, we're not just giving lip service. We're, we're involved in this thing. We're asking and we keep on asking. It goes on to say, seek and keep on seeking. And you will find. Knock and keep on knocking. And the door will be open to you. So there's a a proportional response. As you ask and keep on asking, as you give and keep on giving, as you uh, uh, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, it will happen in your life. Well, it didn't happen the way I thought, so I quit. Yeah, well, then the blessings of God will quit coming. And so, for everyone, verse 8, who keeps on asking, receives. Notice the, the tense, you keep on. 
keep on, keep on keeping on, keep on trucking. He who keeps on seeking finds, and to him who keeps on knocking, it will be open. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 in the Amplified. So, this is describing this proportional thing that uh, what you put in, you're going to get out. How diligently you are in seeking the Lord is how diligently He will be in rewarding you. Okay? And so this is describing a lifestyle of faith. This is what faith is. Uh, But it's not just a lifestyle of faith in hearing about it. It's a lifestyle of faith in doing something about it. When it's all said and done, don't let more be said than done. We've got to come into agreement with the Word. We've got to obey the Word and comply with the principles that God lays out for us. It's not just, I believe, it's, I believe, therefore I do. And this is... uh, Uh, Of course, uh, preaching to the choir, but this is how you continue to climb the ladder of spiritual success. Amen. Here's a couple more scriptures in Luke 11, 28. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. That's Jesus. Jesus again in John 14, 23 says, Anyone... Who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. That's a good spot to be in, folks. (laughs) I don't know who can outdo that. (laughs) No one. James 1.22, the very famous scripture, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Praise God. And so Moses emphasizes today's Torah study with the rewards of serving the Lord. And we won't get into it. You just got to read the Torah study. But... Uh, then as he lays all of the good stuff out, he switches to a warning on what will happen to Israel if they deceive themselves into thinking it was all because of their doing. Ah, it's because of my own thinking, my own Uh, wisdom, my own power and might, that all of these good things and blessings have come upon me. And this is where the danger is in thinking you're so great because you're so great. (laughs) Not a good attitude to have. That's arrogance, it's conceited, it's like, what about humility here? And and Moses touches on this in Deuteronomy 8.14. He says, then your heart will become lifted up by self-conceit and arrogance. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Don't forget where you came from in this regard. You had one foot in hell and the other one on a banana peel. (laughs) 
And if it wasn't for the Redeemer, the Savior, the conquering King who came in and conquered sin in your life and brought you out of the worst situations that uh, you, you'd ever been in, if that didn't happen, where would you be? Thank you, Jesus, that I'm saved. The worst thing that could happen to them, Moses warned, is they, they would forget how God brought them out of slavery. He had taken them from bondage in Egypt into freedom in the Lord. And he sustained them with blessing for 40 years in the wilderness. And so how he's warning Israel is a warning that applies to all of us in Christendom today. Forgetting the Lord living as a Christian with an ungrateful attitude is a recipe for disaster. So self-conceit, conceit, pride, arrogance, they're rooted in forgetting the basics of the Shema. Hear, O Israel! Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. And so a big reason why people struggle is because they get spiritual amnesia. They get memory loss, spiritually speaking. And they forget to live with a thankfulness from how God brought them out of their own personal Egypt. You were a slave to sin. The devil had you right where he wanted you. Every, well, what do I have to be thankful for? Every day you're not living for the devil is a day to be thankful I'm serving the Lord. And so this becomes a source of so many problems and many times good Christian people don't realize what they're doing to themselves. Don't be deceived. Don't be self-deceived. Analyze some things once in a while. And if you dare, ask somebody. (laughs) Do you think I'm a prideful, conceited jerk? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The truth hurt. I'd rather know the truth. My wife doesn't like to answer those questions, but I ask that kind of stuff all the time. You don't think I'm stupid, are you? And so on and so on. So my my point is, I don't want to be the last to know. I live with that concept. I don't want to be bamboozled and self-deceived and be the last to know that I'm missing God somewhere. So I'm willing to ask. Another uh, issue that has to be overcome Uh, This is from Luke 7.47. Jesus said, If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. See, if you don't think your sin really mattered that much, then your forgiveness level will be low. Your appreciation for what God saved you out of will be very low. And then your attitude of gratitude will be very low. 
And in that case, in, in that state of mind, this is where people, that, uh, they're missing it and they get into lots of trouble. So why should you have an attitude of gratitude? How about starting with, your sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I got nothing to be thankful about. Your sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) If that's all that happened, until you make heaven your home and walk into the next phase, if all it that happened was your sins are forgiven and there's no abundant life that comes with it, you still couldn't praise Him enough, love Him enough, serve Him enough, and worship Him enough because for all of eternity to be with God instead of the other place is worthy of your gratitude and appreciation. Of course, there's a thousand and one promises of God. And all of those promises are yes and amen. Amen. And the more we shma, new beginnings, the more we act on the shma, act on the hearing, act on the listening, the more the abundant life manifests. So if, if you're disappointed that the abundant life isn't manifesting, don't blame God. Go back and find out, how am I missing it? Where am I missing it, Lord? It's just like we always joke about Reinhard Bonnke back in my Bible college days in the 80s. He said, the gospel is like soap. It only works when it's applied. Amen? So, uh, of course, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are doing a great job. Here's an interesting statement. It's not happiness that brings us gratitude. It's gratitude that brings us happiness. Gratitude is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. In all things, rejoice in the Lord always and again... With, with praise and thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. Amen. Do you have a grateful heart today? A thankful heart? It's interesting that what God is showing us through Moses is actually just being discovered by medicine and science about people and their health. In recent years, research has proven that there are benefits, health benefits, when you have an attitude of gratitude. Uh, And so scientists have proven that your physical health uh, and immunity against disease lowers your blood pressure. Okay. It assures a more restful sleep. Thankfulness, appreciation, and gratitude reduce toxic emotions like resentment and bitterness, frustration, and regret. And all of that makes depression much less likely.
this attitude of gratitude prevents people from overreacting to negative experiences because we're willing to say all things work together for good. What the devil means for evil, God will turn it around and use it for my benefit and something good is good. There will be a silver lining in this. That's faith. And it springs out of an attitude of gratitude. Lord, you direct my steps. You control my life. No man, no demon controls my destiny. I am totally yielded and submitted to you. And I know that whatever is happening, if, if it's you not wanting it to happen, you'll open another door of opportunity that will even be better. And if it's the devil, we're going to resist him in the name of Jesus and we're going to rebuke him and forbid him from trespassing on blood-bought property. Grateful people, it goes on, tend to have better relationships. No one wants to hang around uh, someone who's always in misery. Right? Right? So don't let misery loves company be your motto. (laughs) And you can tell those folks, even if they're in your family, Mom, I love (laughs) you. And I appreciate you beyond what you could ever imagine. But I can't keep listening to all the negative stuff that you're putting on me. God has a destiny and a purpose and a plan, and it's a good plan. And and he has plans for my life and my future that are going to lead to bigger and better things. So just say, thank you, Jesus, Mama. (laughs) And so you could say, let's get back to counting our blessings. Amen. Amen. And keep focused on the goodness of God, the blessing of God, the joy and the peace of God. Amen? Is that okay? So think about the Apostle Paul. He's rotting in a Roman prison. I mean, you can't, I mean, nowadays uh, we might think that prisons are more like a retirement home for criminals. (laughs) But back then, Uh, prisons weren't like uh, beautiful places. And while Paul is in prison for his religious beliefs, he says something out of Ephesians 5, verses 19 and 20, Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Better stated in everything father thank you for my flat tire and thank you that my uh appliances broke down and thank you i don't have money to fix them (laughs) no (laughs) don't say that but in that okay i don't know why this is happening father god but i rebuke the devil and i thank you that you meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory in that not for that One of the things that should distinguish Christian people from everybody else is our thanksgiving, our attitude of gratitude. 
if a spirit of ungratefulness hardens someone's heart, their relationship with God and others, their family, their spouse, their loved ones, wherever, that's going to grow cold. Cold as ice. And nothing will keep you or turn you into a bitter, selfish, dissatisfied person more than an ungrateful heart. But on the flip side, nothing will do more than to fire you up in the joy of the Lord, the joy of your salvation, the joy of serving God, than an attitude of gratitude. A lack of thankfulness is like an epidemic right now. Just in our society, our culture is being uh, turned against one another with a spirit of division. Appreciating one, one another is rapidly on the decline. And just this spirit of agitation, being irritated and agitated with one another, attacking one another, canceling one another, that's on the rise. Who's behind all of that? The accuser of the brethren. Divide and conquer. What happened to common courtesy? What happened to civilized behavior? Demonic forces are behind all of this. And they're inspiring the worst in our American society right now. They even want to make it official government policy to hate one another. So, we need to get back to agreeing to disagree agreeably. (laughs) Agreeing to disagree agreeably. Hey, brother, I don't want to disagree with you. (laughs) Still love you, but I disagree. And I'm not going to lose my joy and lose my sense of appreciation and love for God and the concepts and principles that God has given me just so I can be mad at you. Have you noticed that right now what's being promoted in our culture is that the world owes you something? That you're entitled to the point, I'm entitled to your money. I'm entitled to everything you worked individually so hard to build up and achieve. I'm entitled to take that and make it my own. There's not any sense of effort, responsibility, accountability, a sense of appreciation. You don't even want to appreciate it if you take it from me. (laughs) You're not even thankful you're taking it from me. Thank you, brother. Well, I take that from you. (laughs) Make my life better, your life worse, because there's not enough to go around. What a lie of the devil. Only the devil would have people believe there's not enough to go around. Because the devil wants you to believe we don't serve Jehovah Jireh and El Shaddai. There's a limited supply and uh, I want my part, whether you get yours or not, tough luck. No, I serve El Shaddai. 
the all-sufficient one. He will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. But see, all of that is rooted in arrogance and selfishness and greed and lust. And people want to take and they're takers rather than givers. God has called you and I to be givers, not takers. In reality, uh, uh, being ungrateful is a sin. Sin. The wages of sin isn't something good. So we just have to check ourselves occasionally. Do, am, am I being ungrateful? Do I lack appreciation? Am I the complainer, the murmurer? Am I the one bringing misery to the company? Just as lying is a sin, stealing is a sin, immorality or any other sin is condemned by the Bible, so is being unthankful. And one of the Bible's indictments against humanity is out of Romans 1.21. Although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. Ugh. Don't be part of that crowd. Amen. Amen. An ungrateful heart is a heart that has grown cold towards God and just indifferent. Indifferent. It's a, it's a heart that has forgotten how dependent. Don't you realize how dependent we are on the Lord? So here's five reasons to thank the Lord. Thank God for every material blessing that He's given you. We prayed that as we left our driveway this morning. Lord, thank you for a beautiful home a happy home, a home where our family is unified, where there's love for one another, there's peace, there's joy, there's happiness, and all of these wonderful blessings. We're driving a car! <laughs> and the main color on it isn't Bondo. <laughs> I had one of those in my past, and I was even thankful for that because that's where I started. You can start driving a car whose main color is Bondo, making five bucks. Back then, you could make five bucks. Now, I want you to pay me 20 bucks an hour. What are you going to do? Nothing. <laughs> Stay at home. <laughs> Play 12 hours of video games and stay at home and then let, let the worker pay the taxes that pays my stay-at-home salary. Now, people, there are legitimate people, that, uh, but look, this thing has gotten out of hand. Number two, thank God for people in your life. Yeah. Father God, I thank you for all my church family. Thank you, Lord, for my prayer partners, my life group leaders, the friends that I'm... The, thank you. Number three, thank God for the power to overcome in the midst of trials and persecutions. Number four, thank God your sins are forgiven and you have eternal life. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And number five, thank God he makes all things work together for good. Make your own list. You could probably do it 500 times. 500, 1,001 reasons why I have to thank the Lord. 
So as I uh, was putting together this uh, sermon, I went back through my old notes. I, you know, uh, have all of my sermon notes for 12, 15 years on this computer, and they're all organized by Torah study. And so I try not to teach the same Torah study every uh, every year when that comes around. I usually have three or four different messages, and I always study, God inspire me, do you, you know, should I go back, da, 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 or should, what new thing do you want me to share? And even if I go back to a, a, a theme like this one that we covered a couple years back, uh, I still freshen it up and pray over it and try to bring a new word in, uh, in addition to it. But uh, th- I had been looking for this story, and you know how in your outlook or in your word you can search for key words, and then it'll bring up uh, where that might be in a document. And I could never find this story. I, help me. And then to, this week, boom, this, uh, one of my favorite stories popped up. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a story about attitude of gratitude. And as it goes, there's uh, an elderly man uh, was sharing uh, the Bible, the gospel, and how to cultivate an attitude of gratitude with a new younger friend. And uh, uh, he was telling uh, this young man that... Uh, Many years earlier, he sat down and he did a little arithmetic. And he calculated that uh, at that point that uh, most people live an average of 75 years. Uh, And so then he multiplied the 75 years by 52, 52 weeks. And he came up with 3,900 as the answer. And that is the number of Saturdays that the average person might have in their entire lifetime. 3,900 Saturdays. At the time that he did this, he was 55 years old. And suddenly he realized he had lived through more than 2,800 Saturdays. And it got him to thinking that if he lived to be 75, he only had about 1,000 Saturdays left before he would go home and be with the Lord. So he went to the toy store and bought every single marble they had in the toy store. And in the end, he had to visit three toy stores and rounded up 1,000 marbles. And he took them home and put them all in a large, clear plastic container, 1,000 marbles. And every Saturday since then, he would take one marble out of the container and throw it away. And as the weeks and the months went by, the number of marbles in that container shrank. And as he saw the marble count shrinking, he found it much easier to be thankful. (laughs) The things that he would have taken for granted in the past, suddenly he had a new level of thankfulness and appreciation. 
Because he found out that there's nothing like watching your time here on earth run out. And it really helps to get your attitude and priorities straight. Amen? Amen. So he's sharing this story with uh, his new younger friend. And he told him that today is very special. Because today I took the last marble out of the container. And now, he said, I'm figuring that from this Saturday on, I've been given a little bit of extra time. And I'm going to be more thankful and more grateful and work to be more of a blessing than I ever had before because I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so... His friend obviously connected the dots. Maybe you're connecting the dots. And he realized even at a younger age, he hadn't been showing much appreciation for his wife and kids lately. So he did something he hadn't done in quite a while. He immediately went home and he took hold of his wife and he gave her the biggest hug and the biggest kiss that he had done in a long time and said, Honey, I love you, I love you, and I'm so thankful for you. And then he rounded up the kids and did the same thing, and then they all piled into the car and went down to, for us it would have been Cracker Barrel, (laughs) for a big breakfast. I want that mama's breakfast, and I'm upgrading it to blueberry pancakes and blueberry syrup. (laughs) So at breakfast... His wife, with a big smile, like, (laughs) this hadn't happened in a while. What brought on all of this special attention? And he smiled back and said, ah, nothing special. It's just been a long time since we spent a Saturday morning together out at breakfast with the kids. And I love you so much, and I'm so thankful that you're my family. And then after breakfast... Before they went home, they did one more thing. They went to the nearest toy store, (laughs) and he bought a bunch of marbles. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's close in prayer together. Father, thank you for this word today. Thank you for putting in us an attitude of gratitude. Help us to stir that up today. Help us to count our blessings today and realize we have been given the greatest gifts a man could ever receive, a woman could ever receive. The gift of eternal life, the gift of forgiveness of sins, the promise of abundant life and a blessed life and a quality life. We are so thankful and appreciate so much all that this represents. Father, we love you and bless you and promise that today we're going to remember to have an attitude of gratitude in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.